a mother and a father stands over a mound of flowers. The crowds have dissipated. The final prayers have been said. And they contemplate the thought that a mother and father should not have to bury their child. They begin to hug and cry. Shoulders begin to shake. And as every fiber of being of the Father's body, he says, it's going to be okay. I don't know how, but it's going to be okay. It's never going to be the same, but it's going to be okay. Her mother and her father lay in bed. Some hour past midnight, looking at the ceiling, and one turns to the other and says, are you asleep? They both say no. Both are contemplating, where did we go wrong? as they may not know or do know the place of their child. But the one thing they do know, that they know that their child is away from God. And as they both lay in bed with tears in their eyes, father looks at the wife and maybe the wife looks at the father and says it's going to be okay we'll keep praying we'll keep holding on to God we won't give up because God is all that we have This morning I want to talk to you about something that can make our lives miserable. It can drain us emotionally. 
It can take away our confidence. It can affect how we treat other people. It can leave a huge scar in our life. Have you ever been discouraged? There's not a person this morning in the sound of my voice that has never been not been discouraged. It comes to us all. I've tried to go back in the last few days and kind of just write down and and, uh, figure out. I hope, I don't know that I got all of them, but I hope I did. But I counted... 11 people from this congregation that we lost. That brings about discouragement. Not just individually, but as a congregation. 11 families of about 26 families, if I calculated correctly. Nearly half of the families of our congregation have been affected by death. Discouragement comes. Difficulties come. Life at its best is hard. It's hard. How often do you find yourself being discouraged? What is the source of that discouragement? Is it people? Is it the church? Is it your job? Is it, is it events in your life? Is it yourself? Beating yourself up because of this or because of that? Is it the current world events that we are seeing and have been involved in for the last couple of years? Is it conflict in your job or in your family? Maybe at school, maybe someone's bullying you or, or maybe uh, you're a marriage that's, not, that's on the rocks. A child that's left the church or people in the church. Maybe it's the violence. Maybe it's the division that we see in our country. Maybe it's the pandemic. We could go on and on. Many things can cause us discouragement. Discouragement is something that the devil can use to cripple us. He uses it to cripple us in our faith and service to God. When you go to the book of Genesis and chapters 37, 38, 39, and 40, you see a man by the name of Joseph who went through many setbacks 
He was sold into slavery and, and portrayed as being dead and, and convicted of a crime and put in prison and convicted of a crime that he did not commit and put in prison. You know, many of God's servants have faced discouragement. You go to the book of Numbers in chapter 11 in verses 10 through 15. Moses was frustrated in leading the people to, to the promised land and, and uh, they were griping and complaining and, uh, and there came a time when he no longer wanted to lead them. When you read in Numbers 11, 10 through 15, he says, is it I who've bore these people? Is it I? Are they my responsibility? But Moses had moved to his point, his breaking level, and he says, I can't do this anymore. He's basically asking himself, why did I deserve this? If you read on in that Numbers 11... God provides him help, gives him away. In our scripture reading this morning in 1 Kings chapter 19, in verses 1 through 3, we see a man by the name of Elijah that fled into the wilderness and hid in a cave from Jezebel. He did after experiencing a great victory at Mount Carmel against the false prophets of Baal. And he got the word that Jezebel says, about this time tomorrow you will be as they. And when he saw that and he arose and he went for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there some 20 miles away. He ran for his life. He allowed fear to overtake him. In Jeremiah chapter 20, in verses 15 through 18, we read of a man, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet. His entire ministry was full of discouraging moments. And for a reason you find in that passage, his message was not a popular message, and they hated him. Think Jeremiah was discouraged? Most certainly. Do you think Moses was discouraged? Most certainly. Think Joseph was discouraged? Most certainly. And you go into the New Testament, and we read about a man who knew all about suffering. And his name is Paul. In 2 Corinthians 11, 
and 23 through 27. The Apostle Paul endured numerous difficulties while preaching the gospel. And there in verses 23 through 27 of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, the Bible says to me, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, as one beside himself. I am no more, I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck in a night and a day, and I've been in the deep. In journeys, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren. He says, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Think the Apostle Paul was discouraged? Most certainly. And yet, he never quit. False accusations, imprisonment, forsaken by the brethren, false teachers in the church. And the ultimate one, an example this morning, is our Lord. He faced agony as he bore the responsibility of the cross. Luke 22 and 22 and 24, or 42 through 44, excuse me, shows that to us. We can say this morning without a doubt, discouragement will affect every Christian. We've talked about anger. We've talked about being um, in conflict. And we've talked about uh, these things that affect us and, and being, being a Christian and being a serve as a Christian. And how that anger affects us. And you know, it drives us to be bitter. And sometimes even depressed. You see, discouragement can bring about negative consequences. It can bring about pessimism. And that pessimism or that pessimistic person is that person who walks around assuming the worst. Gloom and doom. I think about Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. There was one person who was discouraged and always negative. It was Eeyore. While running and hiding from Jezebel, 
Elijah thought that he was the only one in Israel. And you go back to the text in 1 Kings chapter 19 in verses 9 through 10. Elijah thought that he was the only one in Israel faithfully serving the Lord. See, he came to Mount Horeb after sitting under a juniper tree and asking the Lord to take his life. You know, you go back to the Old, Old Testament as well. Moses, he says, take my life. We have two examples of men saying, Lord, remove me from this. I can't do it any longer. You see, that's what discouraging things do to us. It's where it drives us. This morning, as we talk, just a few more moments. Discouragement can again bring many negative consequences. It can bring about fear. We've already mentioned that with Elijah. When you look there in, in, in 1 Kings 19 and 1 through 3, he was afraid. Discouragement takes away our confidence. Discouragement takes away our, our normal ways of behavior and talking and acting and, and engaging with people and especially engaging with God. As you go back chapter 18 in 1 Kings and even in the 17 you see that Elijah was a praying man. He was a praying man. A man who truly relied upon God. But you know even those men and those people have a difficult time with discouragement. This morning when you're in the white knuckle times of life, you can't be driven by fear. You can't be driven by, by the thought of, of what's going to happen and, and, and turning over and letting God. The story is told of a young lady in college that all made her a little poster that said, let God. And every day as she started her day, she would kneel beside her, her bed and she would look at that poster and she would pray to God for help. And one day as she began to pray and events in her life had unfolded, and she knelt by her bed and she began to pray. She couldn't even get through her prayers. And she said, what's the use? 
God's not listening. And she got up and went about her day. And later on in the day, she came back to the side of her bed. And as she had left her room prior to that, she was in anger and she had slammed the door. And she came back and she knelt down and looked. And she said, I'm going to give it another try. And she looked up at her sign, and as she slammed the door, one of the letters had fallen. And it simply read, let go. The D had fallen off the word God. And it said, let go of those things and let God. Elijah stopped even praying. James chapter 5. In verse 17, Elias, Elijah was a man subject to passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth but a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth that sinner from the error shall be of his soul Save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Elijah was a praying man, but he had lost that. He escaped in fear. He can bring about a defeatist attitude. Elijah wanted to give up. And even die in verse 4 of chapter 19. He lost clarity of thought and perspective. You know, many people in those times of discouragement just want to give up. Brother William Woodson told the story that he's going through a very difficult time. And he called for his mentor, the one who had been helped him get through preaching and things, Brother Franklin Camp. Brother Franklin came to him in a time of distress. And if you knew Brother Franklin, he was very deep-voiced. He said, William, lay on the couch. Brother Woodson opened up the Psalms and began to read the Psalms to Brother Woodson. When we are discouraged, we need to spend time with the Psalms. Psalms is a great book to read. When you're discouraged and depressed, 
I've looked at it many, many times, and I've, I've read passages uh, of where the Lord is my strength and my refuge, and, and I, I've been on my couch, and my couch are, is full of tears, and, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and, and, and things don't seem to be going the way I've prayed, and, and I can read through those Psalms, and I can say, I've been there. But he said, spend time with the Psalms. He lost his clarity of thought. The story is told of a young preacher in southern Alabama was out preaching the gospel and he lost the, his house, his home, caught on fire. And as he was preaching the gospel, the house was burning that burned up his two-year-old daughter. Two-year-old daughter. And he never gave up. You know who that man was? Franklin Cramp. You see, Franklin Camp had been through a very difficult time to bring it to William Woodson. You see, that's what we do, is we lean upon each other. Galatians 6, in the very first part of that chapter, bear one another's burdens, help the weak. That's what we do. Not only can discouragement bring about many negative consequences it can, bring, it can bring also isolation. It can make us move into isolation and not want to be around. Elijah did that. Elijah was so discouraged that he went some 20 miles away from everybody under a juniper tree and asked God to take his life. Sometimes we feel there's no hope for us. Life is over for us. And we cut ourselves off from others. Fighting our battles alone. And let me tell you, when you move to that point in life, the devil has got you right where he wants you. He's using it to destroy your life. In the last few moments, how do we overcome? Some practical things to remember. We need to remember that God knows and cares. He knows and he cares about every situation, even yours. Matthew 28, 20, I will always, lo, I will be with you. I will be at the end of age. I will always be there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
1 Peter 5 and 6 and 7. Maybe you have problems at work or at home in the world. Maybe those things are what's discouraging. But remember, God cares. And secondly, we need to remember to stay connected. Stay connected to God and one another. Stay connected. A lot of times people want to turn from God in those difficult situations. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. Paul writes, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Stay connected to God and to one another. Thirdly, We need to remember our purpose. 1 Kings chapter 19 in verses 15 through 17 talks about Elijah. Our purpose, let me say this, in that scripture in 19 there, 1 Kings 15 through 17, when you read that, God is telling Elijah to get up and get busy. When we find ourselves in those positions, he's saying, get up and get busy. Remember our purpose. Our purpose is always to focus on God and to bring Him glory. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, in 9 and 10, This morning, what's your purpose? Is it to fight it all along? Is it to let go and let God? Fourthly and lastly, we need to remember our, to keep a proper perspective. Life is not always as bad as it seems in the moment. We're a blessed people. We find ourselves with short-sighted vision. Even in our toughest moments, we're still blessed even in our toughest moments we need to remember we have heaven waiting on us story is told in Psalms 23 or about Psalms 23 very familiar to you. There was a great audience, a great gathering, and there was two people who were asked to come up 
and read the 23rd Psalm to this great gathering. <clears throat> the first man was known as a great orator, very well dressed, very well presentable, very nostalgic, very proper with his words, and he had a copy of the 23rd Psalm, and he began to read. The words rolled off of his tongue with perfection, every syllable, and great emphasis, the Lord is my shepherd. And as he finished, he laid the copy that he had and he stepped away from the microphone and he received a standing ovation. The next man was called to the mic, a little old man. His, batter, his Bible was battered and torn and torn pages and the cover off of it. And he came slowly and pulled the mic down. And he began to read. Not so eloquently not words that pronounce perfectly, not so well-dressed or presentable as man would say. And he began to read, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he finished, he closed his Bible and walked away, and there wasn't a dry eye in the assembly. The MC came back to the microphone, and in the back, there rang a resounding question. What was the difference? What was the difference? And the MC said, 
of the speakers knew the psalm. He knew the words. But the second knew the shepherd. That was the difference. This morning I ask you, do you know the shepherd? The shepherd knows you. But do you know the shepherd? Maybe you need to get to know or become to know the shepherd through baptism for the remission of your sins and be added to the Lord's church, to his church. Maybe you need to put off that discouragement and become that person you once was. Hold on. Hold on. Because heaven awaits us. Do you know the shepherd? Please come. As together we stand and as we sing this morning.